0: So, when did you learn the language of the world?
1: I came to realize that conversational competence might be the single most overlooked skill we fail to
0: teach. everybody like they got something to say. Welcome to Now We're Talking, the podcast by BotCopy, where we embark on a fascinating journey to unravel the challenges and growth of conversational AI. I'm your host, Dustin Dye, and I'm thrilled to guide you through this adventure. We're diving deep into the world of language models, covering everything from sales strategy to engineering marvels, and even the art of copywriting in this evolving landscape. Any... But what truly sets this first season apart is our exclusive access to the brilliant minds at Google. We've got backstage passes to uncover their corporate philosophy, love for partnerships, and evolving Gen AI team. So whether you're a seasoned professional in the field or simply curious about the future of AI-driven conversations, you're in for a treat. Get ready to unlock the mysteries and marvels of conversational AI right here on Now We're Talking. Bot Copy. Sometimes when you get things out of the blue, they just always turn out a little bit better. Like this phone call about a year ago I received from Joel Pingle. It was curious if Bot Copy could figure out how to solve a multilingual, ADA compliant, all of these other specs for bringing a contact center experience to the government. Government wasn't a vertical that we were seriously going after, but it was interesting, and his voice was compelling. There was a serious leader on the other end who I knew giving my ear and attention to would be worthwhile. And it was. A year later, we won awards at the Google Next Conference 2023, and we've become
1: great friends. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce everyone to Joel Pingle. Hey, Joel. Thanks for having me today, Rob and Dustin. So I'm Joel Pingle. I am the head of our government and education business in the Midwest for Google. So uh, the topic of government is a great topic for me today. So thanks for having me. Yeah, of course.
0: So can we dive into how you got started in government in general? We're seeing so much change right now. Government adopting cloud technology. Now we're
1: throwing AI on top of that. How'd you get into it? So I grew up in a small town in Iowa, in the cornfields like we talked about with you in Missouri. And as I was growing up, I saw a lot of just great work, at least in my community, that the government was doing to assist my family and other families. And so it was just kind of this ingrained thing that happened to me. And then my goal going through regular school and law school was to go to the FBI, again, to give back to the community uh, and, and to go there. now what happened great 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 story um or are you in the fbi well uh you know i'm gonna plausibly deny anything um on this podcast uh but no i think so from that perspective i was tracking to go do that or i was going to go out to dc and work on a committee with politics and then of course as you meet your significant other in life, things things change. Mm. Um, so we decided we were going to stay in Minnesota, which does not work very well for the FBI's travel requirements or living in D.C. Mm. So then I, I had to go find, like, where where's my path in Minnesota? Where can I go figure out how to be impactful to the community and government? And I didn't get there right away either. I have lots of steps in between there and Google, but ending up at Google has really unlocked... All of kind of that passion that I've had to be able to go out and do really meaningful things. And, you know, we have obviously done a lot of work uh, in the last four years, as you know, Dustin, to make really big impacts in the government and our communities. And so it's kind of taken a winding path of, like, how did you get from the cornfields to being a lawyer to being a leader at Google? It's all about just focusing on the mission and the passion for people.
0: It's amazing. Where, Where did you start when you were in Google?
1: So I started just as an individual contributor in Minnesota, just handling kind of all of our existing clients and new clients, and then just very quickly, because of the way Google is, collaborative and innovative. And working at Google is the place where, where you have all these deep thoughts in your brain you're a little bit scared to share them with anybody because you might think they say "Ooh, that's weird like why why did you say that or like that's that person's like a little off right yeah rob and, and i do that all the time <laughs> yeah, that's great <laughs> yeah <and> <laughs> yeah which is probably why dustin you and i get along so well um but it, it opens and unlocks all of the deep creativity that I think sometimes gets hampered or tamped down at other companies who are maybe focused on one sole mission. And Google really, with just the way the culture is set up, is everybody, it's a very flat organization. Everybody has a say. Everybody can come and, you know, come up with a creative idea like bringing bot copy in to to help where we need help. So I think that's, those are the things that at Google, that makes a huge difference. And you can see it in the the history of Google's culture all the way back to, gmail being a 20 percent project and now it's the leading competitor in the collaboration space you
0: started at google as was it more of a sales role in in the beginning in in minnesota were you
1: an fsr there i was uh i started in june of 2020 if you remember that was right at the beginning of the pandemic Pandemic, yeah so everybody when i was interviewing with google people are like we're in the middle of a a global crisis and you're going to switch jobs (laughs) You know, like, and I actually delayed interviewing with Google because the company that I was at previously, I really loved, which was a startup focusing on state and local governments, small government, multi-tenant cloud SaaS, all all of the things that I'm kind of doing with Google, but just on a grander scale now. And so I was very passionate then and loved that as Mm. well. And then luckily I had a contact who was like, just talk to the manager. Talk to the person at Google. And then I, what I realized after having that first conversation, which was not even an interview, is all the things that we just talked about where they were going to unlock something in me that had maybe been tamped down being in corporate America for 12 years. Yeah, And I was so excited about that. June of 2020 was back to your question of like what was hot then. It was a variety of lots of things. It was virtual agents, which I'm sure we'll we'll get into. Everybody was adjusting if they hadn't already adjusted to remote work. So Mm. just from like larger perspective, you're thinking about Chromebooks going out the door, right? Like being able to do, well, virtual meetings, which now we're all kind of like, whew, we have too many virtual meetings. But before the pandemic, there weren't that many virtual meetings. And then we started seeing issues with legacy government technology, just not being able to handle the volumes of what citizens needed at the time. And so we helped with a lot of that. What I'll say is using computers to give humans superpowers. And so as we were giving humans superpowers, they were able to go through more of the paper applications quicker, right, using all the technology, being able to review and pay out benefits quicker. So those were the types of things happening in the pandemic. It was the cusp of a shift for government from we've done it this way for the last 30 or 40 years. It's not broken. Let's not update anything. It's working fine. And then all of a sudden, it was like overnight, everybody has to modernize. Yeah. And so you're seeing that shift, I think, even now, the impact from all the federal bills that are coming down, giving money to state and local governments, and then passing that along. So I think that, that question is a great question because it's making me be a little introspective and retrospective at the same time on June of 2020 is such a different place than we are now. But the journey... The journey has been really fascinating.
0: Yeah. I remember in June 2020 here in LA, they built this like fence that went from Venice Beach all the way up into Malibu, and you couldn't access the beach, and I realized that at that time, things were really locked down, like we were going to be in front of our computers for a while. What's interesting when you hear about the government side of things is I think that everybody listening or just in this room right now, I think we all recognize that government's kind of notorious for moving slow. They're not the trendsetters for adopting new technology, that almost feels like it's changing. Like this pandemic has really surged growth. I think like when I enter some sales meetings, I'll look at current operations and what's slow or not efficient and how can we replace and introduce new technology to enhance constituents' lives for an enterprise side, their customer experience. At the end of the day, no one wants to sit in a contact center on a phone call longer than they have to. So during the pandemic, as the sales rep in Minnesota, it was kind of a state of emergency. Like no one knows really what to do when things shut down. Everybody's kind of lizard brain freaking out and probably leaning on the government for support. So, so what was the lay of the land prior to bringing the Bot copy team in?
1: I'll go high level real quick and then get into the other pieces, but I think you you bring up a really good point, Dustin, and especially in the Midwest, like you're saying, government's a little bit slower to move. Midwest is notorious on, and you've probably seen this. Give me 10 references of where you've done this before, right? Mm. Every single time that there's a procurement process, it's like, show me the 10 other people that have done this before so I know that I'm not going to have a failed project. And I think the shift during the pandemic was we have to do this now because it's an emergency. So we are going to be first and that's going to be okay. And I think that culture has actually carried over where now a lot of our Midwest governments and EDUs are coming to us and saying, hey, has anybody done this yet? And we say, no, that's a great idea. And they're like, Perfect. Don't tell anybody else. We want to be first. So it's this like mindset culture shift, which again is why I said everything's so different from June of 2020 to now and really exciting. So back to the original question on the contact center, they couldn't send people into the call centers either. Yeah. And so then people were setting up you know, at home, I assume, you know, headphones and mic like we have in front of us and then they're taking calls. But how do they answer those calls? They might have their script in front of them, but they don't have any technology assisting yeah. them. This is all public you know, information. You can go out and look at RFIs and RFPs and procurements. Tens of millions of dollars spent outsourcing contact center and contact center activity during the pandemic, because, you know, whether it's UI or benefits or wherever it is, they didn't have enough people. Then all of a sudden the volume gets really crazy and then you have people not coming in the office and then a lot of people like leaving the workforce at the same time. So how do you make up that gap? What we were seeing is phone calls going unanswered. You could call into a, a phone line and not get an answer for days or it would just keep ringing or it would be busy and nobody was there to help. And so that that was kind of the state of June of 2020. Obviously, that's not the state after... You know, we get to go and help them implement technology. But I I think that's a good preface for the audience to understand is behind the scenes, there's a lot of moving parts in government that a lot of us don't see. And we're, you know, over the last 15 years that I've been in this space, I've been able to learn and see and kind of see those practices. But as we're like moving forward, the other kind of thematic thing is people are going to want to work from home. So how do, they, how do we give them superpowers? And then how do we deal with some of the kind of, and, and again, these are reports coming out, not just me saying this, but the boomer effect of retirements coming. Mm-hmm. And then I've heard there's just not enough people applying to the open jobs in government. So transitioning from June 2020 to now is this kind of interesting dynamic that I think bot copy fills one of those voids.
0: So... There's a lot of problems kind of building up there in the government. You've got phone calls coming in to a help desk that's probably staffed at like maybe max 10. 15 and potentially millions of people calling in for various reasons and then there's also this huge shift between on-prem environments like wasn't too long ago where i'd walk into the public works for something like an occupancy permit and the entire process was like required like via fax so we're seeing this shift from not only like paper storage but on-prem storage to now google cloud and then applying that storage to very specific problems like contact center support. So you went from a sales rep in one state to managing the entire majority of the Midwest. What happened?
1: Yeah, well, I think a lot of it, again, as this entire space is constantly growing, we at Google are growing as well in the public sector space. So we're probably, when I started in June of 2020, I think 20 or 30x larger. In our public yeah. sector LLC within well, it, it, Alphabet,
0: it, yeah, it's separated as a new entity and everything.
1: Exactly, yep. So as we as we're going through that, I think the the growth and to your point of, about becoming a leader, when you're at a startup, which I consider Google Public Sector a startup, um, that's awesome. You you own <laughs> pretty much yeah, the same as Bob Copy. Yeah, people people <laughs> are like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "Well." We, we have all the same things that a startup does, all the same challenges. Uh, we just have a really big, obviously, backing.
0: Yeah. Uh, from... So the growth in public sector has been big. You've kind of moved up. You've got, you're kind of managing multiple states right now. It wasn't too long ago. I think it was like August of last year where you first gave me a phone call and you were trying to figure out a pretty big problem within the Midwest. I think in, in, in government in general, there's this movement towards multiple languages, ADA compliance. Talk to me about that phone call, how partnerships is kind of viewed at Google and how the synergy, how it went on the phone call. And Yeah,
1: it's a. I mean, that phone call kind of like brings up a few things that I'll talk about. Again, I always like going macro level and then getting yeah. it down. So you're gonna notice that. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Um, but I think, and shame on us for not mentioning this before, but so much of that passion um, is for diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, yeah. giving everybody the government services they need and deserve from from, you know, whatever locality that they're in. So I think, you know, I think of um, I always, I always use this story. So my, one of my best friends growing up, he, uh, his parents came from India and lived four blocks away from me. So he and I just bonded. And since kindergarten have been really good friends, I just went on his, um, birthday party trip recently. <laughs> his dad was an engineer, right? A, a great manufacturer, but his mom was a stay at home mom. And she was scared to death to go to the DMV to get her driver's license mm-hmm. because, she didn't know English that well. She didn't know what to expect. She didn't know like what happens if I fail? Like, are they going to take me to jail? Like yeah, it's re- terrifying. really, really complicated things because she had no context of, you know, what to expect. And so that always just, again, like all these things that happen as we're growing up to impact who we become. I saw that and I was like, she should just know that government is there to help her. But to her point maybe they weren't yeah and so that's why I think you know now some of the things that we're doing across the country would empower her to be able to use a virtual agent to go ask a question and enter like her driver's license number like do I have to go take a driver's test before I um, get my next renewal or do I not and instead, you know, previously they'd have to go in person and then wait in line, take a number. You know, we've all seen the things where you have to pull the number down and then your number comes up. So it takes that stress and anxiety out of people's lives, which again, and it saves her time and all these other benefits. But I think if you focus on the human element um, and it, the other piece of that is in Minnesota, our legislature and governor just signed a new law called driver's license for all. So driver's license for all means, you do not have to have U.S. citizenship to get a driver's license in Minnesota, so to help the economy move forward. And so they're going to have that same kind of accessibility piece that they're gonna have to work through because as you look at individuals coming in, The driver's license test is all in English, right? Mm. The instructors are all speaking English. But how can you make it an environment where one, maybe they're able to practice, maybe like in a virtual reality environment, right? Or two, how can we augment over the top, you know, augment over the top of languages so we can just quickly take that Driver's license manual, put it in people's languages, and then it can be interactive and they can ask questions, right? So all of those things I think are really important in the entire like back to passion and mission and helping government is the access is meant for probably 10 to 15% of the people who have been left behind previously.
0: That's powerful. So you're you've you've locked yourself into a leadership role at Google. In Google And majority of the other cloud conglomerates are in a massive generative AI race right now. Tell us a little bit or what you can about that. I mean, it's we've all we've all used the tools, whether it's BARD or ChatGPT, like we've all played around and been mind blown on how good they have become. I think a a challenge for us at BotCopy has been like, well, with this, with all these recent rollouts. New tools, all incredibly powerful, and we will put them to good use. It also creates a little. It becomes hard to sell, you know, because it's just constantly changing. You think there's a little mentality on the other end who you're selling it to of, well, we'll just let the dust settle here a little bit, and once it does, then we'll kind of gear up. So being a leader, kind of, you're at the forefront of the, like one of the biggest shifts in technology ever, and you're selling it to government.
1: It's wild but what's that like first um so i have two children my son is eight nolan and my daughter is 11 ava and they love youtube shorts of course with all the parental lockdowns and everything else mm-hmm. um, but as i was preparing for my next uh, presentation like we we're talking about ava sent me a youtube short and it was of sundar our ceo so how many times did Sundar during the keynote at, I, at Google I.O. use the word AI? It was 150 times in wow. a three-hour keynote. I think it was three hours. You have to fact check me on that. But 150 times. So when I did my presentation at Next, I said, let's do an AI counter and see how many times the panelists and I say AI, which then was funny because it had a chilling effect. Everybody was trying to say something else besides AI. But I think that is where like we're going. Like My children know what AI is because it's permeating them through (laughs) YouTube shorts and and other things. Uh, The way that we're thinking about it from a personal perspective and what I tell my kids is two analogies. One, when humans were at the point where they were still trying to eat and gather and using like the old school stakes to like go kill an animal and hunt before guns were made, right? That is the version of like, how do we get from this really tedious workflow and gives human superpowers right Mm. so that that's kind of one analogy but as we walk through all of these like historical meaningful things we see ourselves in kind of this fourth revolution um the first revolution being steam power then electricity which completely changed our lives and then computer science in the 1900s which 1900s makes us all sound really old, but I remember getting my first gateway computer that somebody at church had like put together with like component parts and I brought it home and I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. All I did was play pinball on it, yeah. but it was so it was so cool. Now we're in the AI revolution. And so all of these things kind of like, I, th- I think it's an interesting, we're, we're in a part of it, like me particularly, I'm in an interesting generation where there were no computers. Then all of a sudden there's these computers and then I go to college at University of Iowa. And I work in a computer lab helping people print off floppy disks, and I'm like, whew, that floppy disk is a great technology floppy now discs. now we think about it and we're like, well, what's a floppy, floppy disk? disk?" nobody probably know half the people listening probably don't know or they they're asking bard right now yeah. what um, <laughs> a floppy disk is, but at the time we were like, "This is so great. I can mm. save what i'm doing on." this floppy disk and take it from computer to computer to print it off wherever I want. Like, so that, that's like the human condition, right? Is we get wowed by where we're currently at and then we kind of iterate all the way through. So we really see the AI space to your, to your point of um, a massive unknown, but it's super exciting Yeah, because we just don't know the impact that it's going to have over the next 10 to 20 years. Um, But again, if we focus on the good for AI, which is Google's perspective on all of this, giving humans superpowers is what I, I'm going to say that a million times on this podcast, but that's what, really why we like why AI was created in the first place is we keep iterating on problems. We're trying to solve problems. What's
0: What's the future look like? I guess from, and, and from like not only a partnership and, and bot copy perspective, that's nice. I'd, I'd love to hear about that. But just like. Will more states really grasp onto this idea that better constituent support in multiple languages and really leverage? Like at BotCopy, we're just so focused on not only the messenger, like that's what we do. We're, we're bringing a really compelling UI layer to Google Cloud's contact center AI, but the messages within. And because honestly, if those messages are shitty, then BotCopy and Google look bad. It's just a always on our mind how does that look better and to see multiple states kind of taking this initiative to try and and be the first and kind of compete on this like who can serve better who can actually be the state that's the best state to raise a family from our perspective being a startup it's exciting and do you see this being a pretty big trend are you already seeing multiple states pick it up where do you i guess for people who are in the conversational ai space looking for jobs or maybe even threatened by AI in some way. Where do you see this? Because you're a leader at Google selling it and it's creating jobs. I mean, Rob and I were hiring new people and bringing people on board to help these projects. The States even has people like working on this. It's It's been just a big collaborative effort, but never really heard firsthand from you like what that's been like and what it looks like in the next like two
1: to three years. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that um, first phone call again. Yeah. So the preface of that is Google is 100% partner first and partner attached. (laughs) Um, But uh, I mean that in a way where we have to have, as an ecosystem, we are the infrastructure with amazing, cutting-edge, innovative tools, right? right? But we have to have our partners help us make that come to life. And so that partner ecosystem is so important. So I think, you know, as we were putting together what Minnesota wanted from a um, use case, again, to help that accessibility with different languages and different types of people across the state of Minnesota, we were piecing the puzzle pieces together. And that piece that needed to come together was what Bot Copy did. And I was, I was making internal phone calls and calling my partners and saying, Hey, we're working on this really, really cool, innovative, like project. And it's a lot of different state. Like a lot of our states are doing these types of things. And so from a leadership perspective, I always ask things in generalities. (laughs) So I'm like, can you do this? Do you want to do this? Like, it's almost like an interview because I want to make sure the people that we bring into these projects are just as passionate as we are at Google about all of our people, which obviously Bot Copy has has proven over and over, maybe even more passionate than we are at Google. I was given a reference because you had made a connection with somebody at a conference from one of our other partners, and they're like, call Dustin and just ask Dustin. I'm like, who's Dustin? (laughs) Uh, And so I did some research like I do, and obviously it doesn't hurt that you're from Missouri, and I was like, oh, I think I can just have this conversation about who I am why I'm in this role, why I care so much about helping our citizens in the Midwest. And here's the mission, right? Here's what we're trying to accomplish. And it's not just going to be for this. And I think I I said this to you, you probably remember this. I, I said, it's not just this one like use case, right? It's not just this first thing. We're just trying to help them solve one problem that's right in front of them. And then as we keep working through and now we see, you know, generative AI has completely changed everything in the last six months. Um, as we're working through all of these things, we just need partners who are willing to help adapt, innovate. I think the biggest thing that I've been impressed with from bot copy and you in general, Dustin is when we come and say, Hey, the customer's thinking about it this way now, can you do that? And you're like, sure we can do that. (laughs) And, and, as you know, like technology companies, that's why um, the startup space is so great because you can adapt easily. You can move quick. Um, you're not stuck in like, I have to have this certain thing to happen to make it all successful. The iteration, just like my app for my music, going from a website streaming to an app to a really cool like ecosystem now, that's what we're working on together. And it's not just gonna be this static thing that happens. So that all came out to me from us talking in the first conversation, I was like, this is the right partnership for what we're trying to accomplish in the Midwest with contact centers is to bring a company like bot copy in.
0: Wow, that's amazing to hear. And I, I think our product team would like love and hate me at the same time for saying yes, <laughs> so willingly. But uh, No, it's all love. They, we, <laughs> yeah. we need that
1: believer at the top leading us to the promised land.
0: But, you know, it's, I think this is advice for anybody who's you know, starting a company, aspirations to partner with Google, do government work you have to be nimble and more importantly you have to listen i think that's just like so important a lot of companies will just stick to this roadmap whether it's because like they've received funding with a plan for that funding they can't go off the tracks they have this like laser focus on doing everything that they had planned but with us what we see sometimes with conversations is every time someone enters either our chat or reaches out on a phone call that's direct feedback like from your customers. And it's so powerful. And if you're not recording those calls for quality purposes and listening to them or just giving the person who calls you out of the blue, asking if you can and are willing to do this, you can probably apply whatever you build to 10, 15 other clients and start building based on requests. And more importantly, what people are willing to pay for. You know? And that's like mm-hmm. part of Bot Copy's growth has always been Well, first off, like a lot of the early days bot copy was bootstrapped and we were, we built product launched in just the perfect timing. But we, we got to like 10,000 like organizations prior to the pandemic, like within the first year. And it was incredible because there was this need, everybody was searching, how do I put Dialogflow on websites? And we had, in the beginning, we were an agency just designing Dialogflow bots and building cool conversations, deploying them to Facebook Messenger voice experiences, all these things. And then we listened. Everybody really wanted it on the website and asked if we could do that. And we said yes. And then it just continued to become like our little mission is just to – well, we can definitely do that, you know, if you're willing to pay for using it for the next year, then we'll go ahead and prioritize that request. That sounds great, especially if it's coming from a massive state, you know. Right. So, it's it's a great way, you know, sometimes it's hard to always want to say yes and I know that you have things planned and it can shift things around, but you got to be nimble, especially now when AI is kind of rapidly changing and making things better, faster, stronger. And uh, you know, kind of takes a little bit of a yes person every once in a while.
1: Yeah, and I think you can tell I'm not unique in this, right? You and Rob and everybody at the bot copy team also had to take the same type of risk and push yourself and like do all of those things. So again, it's not it's not that we're unique, but together we're unique because we're helping government and we're passionate about it. Where you know, way back to your earlier point of adoption. Yeah. I think if you work with, there's people, there's pockets of people who are also innovative that work at government. They want the same thing. They want the outcomes. And if you can tie the technology to the outcomes, that's where you can just really make a huge impact. Um, we love our customers. Our customers early on said, we want Google AI, and we want it on our websites. Thanks to what you're doing today, it's the most exciting time to be a Google partner. That's great.
0: Yeah. Well, Joel, absolute pleasure. <laughs> cut cut well joel absolute pleasure thanks for joining us today at the Bak copy studio here at village workspace we'll see you next time
1: and i'm sure we'll be on a call a little bit later this week yeah and thanks rob and dustin for everything you do again um the mission is so important and we're in that fourth revolution right now so appreciate everything that you're doing in the partnership